Hey there, I'm Paul Lighting. You're listening to Ello Governor, the podcast. Set of Elgar on the podcast. I'm Abdullah, and with me as always is Tom. How you doing, Tom? I'm doing all right, because they're right. Um, anyway, see, uh, usually we would start the show with wrestling talk, but seeing as this week there's been a lot of wrestling-heavy related news, I figure we just leave it till the end, because we got a lot, a lot of shit to cover, and if we, mm-hmm. like cover it at the beginning of the show, it's going to be like an hour until we get to the other stuff, so um, lucky for you guys, uh, we're going to talk about the other stuff first, and then we're going to go on to the wrestling stuff, so um, anyway, we're going to start out with Sonic Boom, um, once again, I'm really loving this show, I think it's great, I think it's funny, if, you ha- if you're not watching it, please do, because it's, 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 it's one of the best new, new shows I've seen for a while now. <laughs> Shame that can't be the same thing about the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already talked about the game last week. Yeah, I don't want to no, go yeah, for no, another no, fucking no, thirty no. minutes talking about that piece of shit. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I have to say um, the new TV episode. It was only one episode this um, that week, though. Yeah. Um, because it was Thanksgiving weekend. That was the thing. And um, uh, what was the name of the episode again? I believe it was called Double Doomsday. Yeah, uh, Double Doomsday. Yeah, and so. The gist of the story: Eggman takes on an um, takes on an intern named Dave to assist him, but his evil protege proves to be more dangerous than expected. And I thought it was a pretty good episode. To be honest, I I, lo- I liked it, but I felt the pacing was kind of a little bit off. Yeah, I thought that as well. Well, again, when you have a look and see how many people handled the episode, I think it was like about like four different people handled this episode. I went, yeah, that might explain the length of why the story was a bit jarring in some places. I, I do. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Dave is pretty much this squeaky voice teen from The Simpsons. That's 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 who he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty. Basically, one day that teenage that 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 squeaky teenager was like, "No, I'm going to become e- I'm going to become evil now." <laughs> and basically, say, "Fuck you, world." <laughs> but it was done really well. It's just like the whole start of it with them at like this like burger, like this like was it like McDonald's style sort of venue sort of place, and like. Eggman basically cuts in line, and then he's like, "No, no, no, he's he's he was here first And it's, and Sonic's like, "What?" It's weird. It's like him and Amy out with that long, like little quote unquote date you could call it in that sense. But it was fun. It it was funny. Just 
it, it was just played up well and it's like can I be your internal robot Eggman's like sure you can and then he basically takes him on and the one joke that did make me laugh um, in the episode he said he said what should be my first job well you can clean the toilet I went oh my god only the manager that my old job can do this and I thought oh god <laughs> No, I did love the beginning joke with uh, Eggman and him saying, how's your burger coming? Oh, that's right. You don't have a burger because you weren't first in line. And uh, <laughs> when Sonic finally does get his burger, he's like, good say, hey, your burger with extra pickle. I said, no pickle. Well, that's the what I, what, what, that's what I hear. And I just thought, I thought, thought it was it was funny. It was, it was, it was overall good, good episode. And um, it's again... Um, it, it, it plays a lot of puns on, like, for anyone who ever been an intern, you can understand where that is coming from with, with, with Eggman pretty much saying, he's like, hey, you want to be my unpaid intern? And I basically make you do everything that I don't want to do. That's pretty much what an intern is. And I love the line where he's like, look, listen, Dave, you're a horrible kid, but you're just not evil material. <laughs> no, that is brilliant. <laughs> that, I thought that was so well... Again, my Pollock as Eggman in the show is just—he's so hilarious. He steals the show most of the. He steals the show when he's on screen. I I, lo- I mean, it's it's great because I think this is Mike do showing what he can do with the role because, you know, in past Sonic games he would just play him as this you know one-dimensional villain, but here he's just playing him as a normal guy oh, yeah. who just enjoys taking over the world. Oh, yeah. and I think that's what works to its advantage. And I love the scene where Dave locks himself in a room and he's like, come out there, young man. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, that made me laugh. It's just like, they're, they're going back and forth and then they try to up, up one each other and say, well, I have a Doomsday fight. Oh, I have a Doomsday fight. What are you doing here? You better not be activating that Doomsday fight. Right, that's it. I've activated my Doomsday device. And the- you don't even have pants. Then what are these pockets for? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. I, I love the fact they make awareness that some some of the characters don't wear pants and they just take the piss out of it. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of meta nods in it and like the the whole stereotype of characters not wearing pants and everything like that. Oh, and I love the and I love the visual gag of of Eggman working on. You think he's working on his doomsday device, but then it pans out and he's just grilling his his uh, sub sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> He was just making a panini, which made me laugh quite a bit. And why this going on um, was that Tails and Sonic were... Well, Tails were showing off Sonic a new device which was like a reverse sort of engine sort of thing. Like, it basically reversed any matter to go backwards on itself, which I thought was a pretty cool little device. And funny enough, we don't get a, a lot of the Sonic cast in this. It was like, Amy's only there at the very beginning, and then it's just Sonic and Tails through the whole entire episode, pretty similar to, like, the sidekick episode. Yeah, and it's pretty much um, once again this one. This episode reminded me a lot of um, adventures in a sense. Oh yeah, this does feel this does feel like if you wrote this and you put it in an adventure, if if a Sonic Adventure Sonic the Hedgehog show, it this episode would have fit in perfectly. It only would have been longer because those episodes are like twenty two minutes long. Yeah. And this is only eleven minutes. It's very this this episode feels the most event adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. It did have a very cool little action. Um, I I thought the whole build up of them tails trying to work out how to defuse the two Doomsday Machine was quite funny. When when he was just like, "Well, we need to get him at the exact same power input," he said, "Well, I'm going to do that." 
well, I take I take I, I take this guy, you take Eggman, and like he's trying to make sure Eggman just works on Doomsday and stuff. So he went, well, I I'm Spanish. I'm gonna build my I'm gonna have build myself a what was it like peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and he keeps ordering Sonic to. He said, no, no, Sonic said I'm gonna make it, and every time Sonic comes back, he he does he doesn't do something that Eggman likes. I thought that was quite funny. He's like, and I love and I love the end where he's like, ah, oh, Chris, must I say it? it. <laughs> I love his delivery because he just sounds so disappointed. Like he's not angry; he's just so disappointed. (laughs) You should, you should have known. You should know. That all made me laugh. That made me laugh quite a bit. I thought that was. I thought that delivery was done really well. And also, the ending had a had a nice action bit to it as well, which I was quite impressed with. With him jumping through the black hole. I also like the the joke with Tails explaining some the how the polarity works, and he's like, "Yeah, can you can you just pretend like I I don't understand anything you're saying?" <laughs> yeah, I I love the one joke when when Sonic comes in, he's like, "It's a like, turn off your Doomsday device right now," and he's like, "He's like, well, duh, why would someone put an off button on the Doomsday device?" And then he calls Tails, and he's like, "Tails, there's no off button." Well, yeah, <laughs> why would anyone put an off button on a Doomsday <laughs> device? <laughs> I thought okay, that's that, that. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. Again, the writing is just really, really good. I think that the writing is the best part of the show, and um, I think it helps with the voice, the voice cast as well. The voice cast can really deliver the dialogue. Uh, can really de- deliver the writing and the dialogue, which helps a lot. Also, big, big uh, shout out to Roger, who is just showing off more of his talent by voicing more than one character. Oh yeah, he was. Um, Roger Craig Smith was voicing. Um, oh, who was he? Was voicing, Dave? Yeah, he was voicing Dave. I thought. Yeah, because Roger Craig Smith, he's a he's, he's good. He's a good. He's a good voice actor. Well, I mean, because for, for those that don't know, he's been in. He he's done Captain America. He's done Batman. He's done Chris Chris Redfield. He's done Sonic. Actually, he's done Enzio from Assassin's Creed as well. He's he's really versatile in his in his own roles. And again, like I think that the show really shows how good of a voice actor he is, because you know, once again, the Sonic community bitched and moaned when he was cast as Sonic. But you know, <laughs> I think he's really fitting into his own by doing by doing the um, by doing the TV show. I think that's helping him a lot because I think I think that's one thing. Jason Griffin didn't have the advantage of. I, I know he started off doing the TV show. But he didn't. He didn't have like he started off doing the TV show. Then he went on to do the games, and then after doing the games, he didn't really have much to do apart from doing the video games. So I think with Roger Craig Smith, he started doing the game, but now he got the TV show, and he can craft his his talent to doing the voice of Sonic even more. And like, no offense to Jason Griffith, I mean he's a nice dude. I've talked to him on Facebook before, but you know, to be fair, Roger has had more experience. That's why you yeah. know. <laughs> A little bit more better. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I thought yeah, I really do like Rod Craig Smith and Sonic. I, he really a, a lot. If funny, it makes me laugh. A lot of the American fans, I say, why is Sonic such a dick? And I'm just, I, 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 I'm just like, I'm just like, trust me. You grew up during the UK. You read the UK Sonic the Hedgehog comic. He was always a dick in the UK comics. <laughs> a constant dick in the UK comics. So I was like, okay, this is this, this actually. I actually know this type of Sonic. So I actually. I actually get get him. 
Also, I loved his uh, facial expressions in this episode. They were they were just hilarious. <laughs> I, I give the animators credit for that. The animators can make really good facial expressions with the characters. So I notice, and again, I think I think the character development for the characters are done really really well. As I, I, I think all of them have done is done so well. It's just like, and they all have character and personality to to these characters, which. I think what Sonic has been lacking for a while. And, like, big ups to the writers and animators for managing to fit in, like, all that plot in, like, 12, 11 minutes. That's uh, that's really something. Yeah. They seriously need to get this right. They seriously need to get this right in staff. If they say, by a miracle of, like, a total eclipse, there's another Sonic Boom game get made, please get this right in staff. Please, for the love of God, get this writing stuff to write the story for the video game. Because <laughs> they seem to get these characters. And, and like I said, like I said before when we talked about this last yeah. week, every every like one-shot character, you can have a spin-off show of them. That's how well they're yeah. written. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's weird. It's like Dave, you can imagine, like, he's have his own little... Sp- All the little minor characters are well enough to have their own little, little own one-off sort of thing, which is quite funny. Hell, I wanted to see more of Comedy Chimp for God's sake, and he had like <laughs> I, I, he had like three seconds. Yeah. I want I, I want to know where he got that suit from. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty comical chimp. He had he had he had one deliver, he had one line of dialogue in it. Just I, was, I just lost it when he, when he delivered that. And I also love the Beaver. <laughs> Actually, it's <laughs> oh the Beaver. Yeah, my. Pollock did the beaver. He went, well, I can do ballet parking. You're the third candidate. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I really love Sonic Boom. I really like this episode. I can't wait for the next two episodes, which should be really good. Um, it sounds like, to me, the next two episodes, um, well, one of the next two episodes is going to be focusing on Eggman again. So I'm, 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 I'm happy that... Robotnik is getting some sort of line, um, some good sh- premise of this show and everything like that. With this yeah, yeah but I kind of feel like they're overdoing it with like the Eggman episodes because yeah. we've gotten like two back-to-back episodes. And to to be fair, I'm going to be honest. I think Fortress of Solitude beats this episode clean. Oh, oh yeah, it does. Yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Fortress of Solitude, it just. I think for the show is probably it's hard to say what the weakest episode is, but I think that might have been the weakest episode so far. But yeah, again for a weak episode, that's still pretty good. No, I think the weakest episode was the dog one. Oh, oh yeah, oh god, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Yeah, the dog one, which was called um, Buster. Yeah. <laughs> But but no, I mean I'm I'm loving this show, and if you're if you're not watching it, please check it out. It's a great show, and you know, if you live in the outside of the U.S. and you can't watch it on TV, it's gonna be uploaded on YouTube the next day. So you know, <laughs> fantastic. We're supporting privacy now. Hooray! <laughs> uh, they don't know that. <laughs> what's this privacy you speak of? It sounds like a foreign term to me. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I watch it on iTunes when it's on. Wink, wink. <laughs> exactly. Good. So yeah, um, Sonic Boom, um, Double Doomsday. But again, another really good episode. Check it out if you haven't. 
Yeah. Um, moving on to the trailer talk, the new segment in which we're going to be talking about trailers. So, uh, two big trailers, well, one trailer, really, the other one was more of a teaser, came out this week, and it kind of caught the internet in a, in a fucking shitstorm, but oh, we'll get to that, we'll get to that later, but first of all, I want to talk about Jurassic, po- Jurassic World, what did you think? I really, I liked it, I really liked the, this trailer, it really portrays it, the, I love the fact there was a little homage to Steven Spielberg with the giant water creature come out of the air and like bites up in the air and it suddenly just cuts to executive producer Steven Spielberg, I think that was done on purpose because they just like, that sh- that creature coming out of the water looked like how Jaws would come out of the water to eat someone. But I, I really thought it was really good. I'm really looking forward to it. I thought the dinosaurs looked fantastic. Chris Pratt looks like it looks like he's he's having fun with this, especially riding on the motorcycle with the raptors. <laughs> I love riding that. That trip. that should be a meme. I don't care. You do. <laughs> that should be a fucking meme. <laughs> Where have you been? That's meme been all over the internet. Someone photoshopped that instead of Chris Chris Pratt driving a motorcycle. He's riding a raptor instead. <laughs> yes. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? No, I didn't. Oh, you got to find that. That is such a brilliant meme. Oh, the best one I saw was it said, it said Loki said, "We have an army." Iron Man, we have a Hulk, and then to cut, cut to Chris Pratt from, um, from Guardians. Where, well, I have Raptors, and it's just like a bike with Raptors right next to it. I will give him credit for having a more simplistic plot this time, as opposed to the other three Jurassic Park movies, where their plots were kind of. Complicated. I think the film is basically going to be two things. One, it's going to be more about the park, slash, I think it's just going to be a whole. They're going to play it really safe, and it's going to be very similar to the first film. In some aspects. Because um, I think the sequels really fucked the whole franchise up because they tried doing being something they're not. And Jurassic Park 3, Jesus Christ, that was. Fucking awful. And for anyone who disagrees, saying that the second one is worse, so you can go and fuck yourself and, um, <coughs> style critic. <laughs> um, but. At least the second one had Jeff Goldblum, for God's sakes, and he can make anything worthwhile. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But I just thought overall, I really like this trailer. I really like what they've done with it. I cannot wait for. This has got me hyped. This is how you deliver something and you. And it looks good. You you just give enough of a tease, and you show enough of new stuff, enough of this stuff that you realise you see from the original films that you liked, and what you want to see from a sequel, and what what people want to see. Like they showed off, like they showed off the Raptor, they showed off the park, they showed off the T Rex, they showed off Chris Pratt, they showed off um, a tiny bit of the plot, and they showed off some new elements as well. And I'm really really curious to see where they're going to go with it. Also, uh, this is the first one I think that can go that's going darker, but not really ruining the tone. Yes, like it has darker elements in it, but it doesn't really ruin the tone because you know it doesn't really get darker until like he Chris Chris Platt, Platt says um, you made something and something is loose in the park. <laughs> We all know, uh, me and my mate joked about this. They say how how bad would it be the whole film about er, the everything just be calm, calm as day, and then suddenly with the credit roll, you just hear a scream say, oh my god, they're out, the raptors are out, my god, there's <laughs> blood everywhere. 
<laughs> but yeah, I am curious to find out the reason why. Why the hell the Raptors were not attacking Chris Pratt while he's driving that motorcycle? Why were they running alongside him? Because it has been proven that those Raptors are pretty much, if not close to the same intention as a human. So I'm wondering what Earth, Earth is going on there. <laughs> At the end where they when they open the doors and then they're like, well, you know, we're going to kill everyone and we're going to take up the identity by the name of Mr. Pilkington. Yeah. Or perhaps I said too much. <laughs> and so you see a raptor to pull out a fake mustache, uh, a monocle and a top hat and a cane just walks off. <laughs> I'm telling you, that should have been the fucking sequel right there. Still waiting for that. <laughs> Someday, man. Someday. <laughs> no, but I'm really excited for it. I mean, it's it's you know it's a sequel that again for a franchise that desperately needs a, a reboot or remake or whatever because you know fucking Jurassic Park three was just god awful and we need something different and thank fuck Steve Spielberg is not directing this because he you know he's not the person I would want to I would want to have direct this because we need someone new we need someone who um, is doing something different with the franchise. I think um, Jurassic Park um, World just need a fresh fresh lift. I, I, I am happy he's about as a producer, because, to be honest, I think he's a really good producer. If you... He, and also, he directed the first original one, so, you know, he's probably had some of the best insight. That He's the best person to go to if you get stuck in this sort of thing. So, how would you do it in that sort of thing, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, he works a lot better than a, as a producer these days than he, than he does as a director. Oh, yeah, cause, he does. Because you know, War Horse? Jesus Christ. Well, 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 well I mean, I, I've been saying that for years. I've, I've been saying that for years. I think he works better as a producer than a director. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a bad director, but I, I'm just going to say that I think he's a really, really good producer. And, yeah, I mean, if you grew up in the 90s, he produced most of your favorite cartoon shows, so there you go. Yeah, Freakasoid. <laughs> Um, Animaniacs, Pinky in the Brain. Yeah. That's just a sum. <laughs> Pretty much funded DreamWorks animation with that with those shows. <laughs> yeah. That's how that's how they got that famous uh, what's it? Um that famous singer to play the cat in Animaniacs. You know which oh, I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cuz she was she was very well renowned at the time as being like this big theater like um opera singer and everything like that and they just asked him I think that's the only time the animators asked for a favour and he, and he, went, he went, came back and went yeah I got her <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and the fact she just came in on the weekend learnt the lines there and there and just like reformed it and I do love the story that Paul Rock tells about Stephen and him saying which is his favourite show and he says to this day the dude swears to this day that he has a letter from Stephen telling him that Freakazoid is his favourite show <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant <laughs> so yeah but anyway I'm really excited for Jurassic Park and now into the shitstorm oh boy <laughs> oh, oh you mean apparently a, a, a white man can't wear uh, you're telling me a black man cannot wear white clothing now <laughs> no I mean I want to know why a fucking 88 second teaser is, con is considered a trailer now that uh, I, watched, I watched it and I said this when the first time I watched it, I went, yeah, it's okay, I'm not over Show me more, please, because I really want to know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I just, like, 
it does a job as a teaser trailer, but at the same time, I'm just like, okay, that that's a thing, and I'm just like, it's like I'm 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 not, I'm not trying to be nitpicky or like like one of these discussion like quote unquote fans and saying oh we want more blah blah. No, I just feel like yeah, okay, that's that that's okay. It did it did its job, but you know, I I just want something a bit more, maybe something cool. Maybe the old cast, maybe something more than the than the Millennium Falcon. Well, it, it just didn't impress me. I just watched it, and I was just like, well, you know, it just, I just wasn't... It, you've I'm, seen this before. You've yeah. seen the fucking Millennium Falcon. You've seen the fucking Stormtroopers. You've seen all this shit. Yeah, it's just something about it. Like, okay, I like that. I like the X-Wings. I like the Millennium Falcon. I, oh, oh, look, a new droid. Oh, look, a black guy. Oh, God, that, oh, that doesn't cause any controversy on the internet. And a, uh, oh, look, a freeway lifesaver. Oh, that doesn't cause any controversy on the internet. But, but we just wait and see what happens. But um, And it's just, I, I, I swear to God, the thing that bothered me about the lightsaber scene wasn't the lightsaber itself, but the stupid reveal, like, it's like, oh, shit, he has a lightsaber, as if the fucking audience didn't know what the fuck a lightsaber was. Well, it, I just find it funny that, that someone, basically, the first initial thing that everyone thought when they saw that, they thought it was um, symbolism as being Antichrist, because it was an upside-down cross. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I know, right? But, um... Have you seen what a medieval sword looks like? I just, I just want you to Google that. Yeah. Just Google that. Yeah, I can understand the design preference, why the way it looks, but it's just something about this trailer. I watched it and I thought, okay, and it just, I thought it was okay. It, it did its job, but it's just like when I saw the Jurassic Park trailer and when I saw this trailer, I'm more hyped for Jurassic Park than I am for Star Wars. Well, that's because the Jurassic Park was two minutes. This was like only 88 seconds. Yeah, I know that, but still at the same time, I'm just like, it's just that uh, one did its job as a quote-unquote trailer to get you hype. This is a teaser trailer that has not got me hype one bit for the film. Yeah, because it tells you nothing. Yeah. And um, I... It tells you nothing, it assumes you know everything you need to know about Star Wars and... It's just there, yeah. <laughs> you know. It just feels like you needed a lot of presumption. Like you need to know what's going on to get what's going on, and it, yeah, sure, it was cool to see the Lone Falcon fighting. It was cool seeing the new robot. It was cool seeing like a, a, a apparently there's a second black guy in the Star Wars universe now, um, and everyone lost their shit over it. Because for some stupid fucking I'm not even going to get into that. Yeah, no, we're not. We, we, we shouldn't because that's just. I I I, I just think it's. I seen the comments on the official video on on their official page on YouTube. I thought oh, these are the most racist motherfuckers I've ever seen. But I, I will just say this: we're talking about fictional characters in a fictional universe. Do you understand how stupid you fucking sound? Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just a film, but. It, 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 it makes me laugh as well, like, um, a bunch of people said, oh, look, uh, Marvel's going to fail because, it's like, oh, Disney, Marvel's going to fail because Star Wars, the Star Wars season got more views, and I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm just like, you know, you know, you know, Star Wars, property of Star Wars, it's owned by Disney, and who do Disney own? They own Marvel as well, so they're going to be laughing all the way to the fucking bank with your fucking money. Because you're going to see both of these fucking films. And like I said before on Facebook, like, 
no matter how you feel about this movie when it comes out, it'll never live up to your expectations. Yeah, it'll never do. I'm actually quite surprised I didn't see that any lens first. Because <laughs> uh, I kind of saw some during the Stormtroopers. <laughs> well, the well, well that's, that's understandable. It being in a desert, I can accept that. But if it's like if I go down in a fucking spaceship and I see like a bloody lens flare in an engine room, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be calling bullshit. Yeah, because I'm sorry, fuck Star Trek. That fucking movie. I saw that on cable, and I'm like. Jesus fucking Christ, enough with the lens flares. My mate basically had two copies of a DVD, he gave me one copy, and I, even I said I don't want it, he just left it in my car for fuck's sake. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I wasn't a huge fan, I'm, I'm, I wasn't even a few, few fans of it. But yeah, again, J.J. Amos said he was more of a Star Trek person than a... Uh, more of a Star Wars person than a Star Trek person, so it's going to be... Well, everyone says that. <laughs> Well, it's actually true because I don't get I, I get Star Wars, but I do not get Star Trek. Charles recognized Pauline's piece of shit I ever watched. It, and I kind of I'll, I'll just be honest, like with for those who complain about the black guy and the stormtrooper outfit, about continuity, realize that everything that came after the original trilogy fucked with the continuity, and it'll never, and no matter what they try. Nothing will ever be okay. Yeah, of course, all people say nothing will be ever okay. I saw these comments like. What about all the clones? Well, this is nearly 30 years into the future. Do you think all the clones are going to be fucking alive? They're going to have to recruit somewhere. <laughs> and um, there's someone, I saw someone said, said oh, why, uh, so why, why is a black guy? And then someone posted a picture and said, this is the film for the original set. And you see all the extras were wearing stormtroopers, had their helmets off. And most of them were black people. <laughs> and then it showed, like, today, when they took the helmets off, most of them were black people. So, George Lucas, racist. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just like, well, I'm just like, w w how bad could it be? Would you get more offended if it was a, if, because there are such things in the Star Wars quote unquote canon, and I'm calling that Lucy, as like shadow troopers that are stormtroopers but in black armor. If would it be more racist if the black guy was in the black armor? <laughs> What about Darth Vader? Everyone assumed that he was black because of James Earl Jones, but then no, he was really white. He <laughs> yeah. was a pasty white man who got burnt that burnt half the death. <laughs> oh god. Fucking these movies are dumb. <laughs> yeah. So again, like I mean, to be honest, like I really can't get excited for this because, like I said, it's only eighty-eight seconds, and I can't really get excited for it until I see an actual goddamn trailer. Yeah, true. Like I, I can't get excited for this. I would love to talk more about this, but really, the only thing I can take from this is that Star Wars fans will never be happy with whatever shit that you give them because they'll always find something to complain about. Really. Yeah. <laughs> PC it took took them long enough to accept that all the extended canon was no longer canon anymore. Oh, God. Yeah, I, know, I, know. I know, it's just stupid. It, there was some cool stuff in Xenic, but still at the same time, they're going to have to fucking ignore it if they're going to reestablish a whole new generation. And, and, and here's the thing. I love the Thrawn trilogy. I think that's the best extended, expanded universe stuff. And it's still there. You can still buy it. You can still read it. It didn't go anywhere. It's it's sort of like the, the the DC reboot. Like I said, like I told everyone, all that shit that happened before the reboot is still there. You can still go read it. 
doesn't fucking change the fact that it's no longer canon, you know? It just... I don't know. Yeah, true. Fans. Yeah, that's pretty much all. Oh, yeah, one thing we do before we go to the next topic. Have you seen the, the fan-made thing, the George Lucas edit? Yeah, I've seen that. Best thing I have ever seen. It was amazing. Yes, I thought it was brilliant. I was just like, they added like tons and tons of shit in the background, that weird scene for the German Hearts thing. And it's like, you see the Falcon, instead of two TIE Fighters, it's like a thousand TIE Fighters. <laughs> oh. <sighs> oh, God. It was funny. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for the non-wrestling news-related stuff, unless there's something else you want to talk about before we get into the wrestling stuff. Um, well, apart from that, the Bond stuff is going to be announced this week, I think this Thursday, and apparently Stephen Hawkins wants to play as a Bond villain in one of the films. That's about it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, just put him in the film as an evil scientist. I, I can see that. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Bond. <laughs> I have been expecting you. <laughs> I just I just would love to see that. I was like, come on. That will make the man's day. Just put him in the film as an evil scientist. And let's get it all. And just like, he'd be the happiest man alive. And do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that now. I want to see that now. He was on The Simpsons, and he was on Futurama, so there you go. I know. I really want to see it. More beer. I did not say that. More beer. Stop that. But no, I mean, um, that's pretty much all there is to the non-wrestling stuff. So for those who don't want to listen to the wrestling stuff, you can stop right now. But for those who want to listen to us ramble on for like an hour about wrestling crap, go ahead because it's gonna be oh, we need <laughs> we need all the help we can get for this one. <laughs> and the question is, where should we start? I think we should start with the CM Punk thing, to be honest. Oh Jesus, uh, that was. Want to fill them in on what happened? Because there's a lot. Okay. I listened to the podcast, like, I like I can imagine you listen. It was a nearly a two-hour podcast. And I mean, I only listened to some of it, because I wasn't going to listen to fucking two hours of punk bitch and moan about shit. No, he, but be fair, there wasn't that much bitching. He was actually very calm, and he actually put up some really good arguments. He did. No, no I'm being serious, he did. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah. not going to sit here and bash him yeah. for everything. I sat and at the same time. I, no, I just want everyone to know I'm not going to be picking sides. I'm going to be calling out both both oh, sides. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They both got flaws in their arguments and everything like that. Well, to start off, we're going to talk about the Chris Jericho thing. The Chris Jericho podcast was—he was on Cole Cabana Art of Wrestling podcast. For those that don't know, he's really good friends with Cole Cabana back in the days when they used to travel the indie side of everything like that. And he wanted to—I give him credit for this because he did say this on podcast. He wanted this to be. He basically didn't want any money for for his story. He didn't want, he didn't want to make it come off as like he was. He, he want money for the whole entire story and everything. Like he wanted to go somewhere he can do it for free. When he feels comfortable, he can do it. He can say it completely uncensored, and no one will stop him and say what he wanted to say. So he went on his friend's podcast, Cole Cabana's podcast, and 
He did, and he basically vented. It's the best way I could put it. He vented. He vented until the cows came home, and um, I'm glad he did because I thought Cole Cabana did a good job trying to being like, as he put it, um, devil's advocate in the podcast. Like he's trying. Yeah, I mean, I think that he it would have been a lot worse if if if, uh, if he if he had done like a shoot thing. Yeah. Then then he would have just ranted and sounded like an absolute main. Absolute asshole, and, and give him credit for that. And, and, and I, mean, I just want to say this: like on the subject of shoots, I do watch them, but I don't endorse them. Yeah, and I, I think that they're disgusting. I think that um, they're just a cheap cash in to try and scam wrestling fans out of their money. Yeah, and they're just disgusting. They're made by people who don't give a shit about the business, and they just want to make a quick buck. Yeah, and I give him credit for that because he did say I don't want to come off like, as a person doing a shoot and everything like that. I just want to, I I, I don't want to come off like let's bash WWE, let's do this whole crusade, fuck WWE sort of thing, sort of thing. Because like he said, he's still got friends there and everything like that, and he's and he's and everything like that. And um, so yeah, he he started it off like he the, trying to summarize this is that he started talking about when he first left the company. And when he first left the company, that was around about 2011 when he was the WWE champion at Money in the Bank. And he, he started to talk about there. And um, and he, he was originally was going to leave. He said, OK, I'm going to stick around because he said he's going to miss it. He should do the right thing. And he did. And then um, once he and then, then the problem started to build up from there is it's the best way to put it. Would you agree? Uh, pretty much, because I remember back in the back, um, back in those back in like three years ago when I would listen to, um, listen to wrestling podcasts and they would talk about the guys behind the scenes and they would say that um, they 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 pretty much came up and said Vince wasn't happy with that direction of that storyline. Yeah, like he he wasn't mm-hmm. like because because everyone else was pushing for it, but Vince was like, I don't want to do this type of story anymore. Mm, yeah. And some really good points were made from Punk's argument about this. Like, the biggest one I would have to say is that he completely bashed the welfare policy that WWE put in place for their wrestlers. And for those, yeah, that, that welfare policy has been bullshit for a couple of years now. Yeah, and he basically he called he called out on it, which he basically for a long time a lot of people kind of knew that it was bullshit, but never really have full thing. This is the first. I think the first time a superstar of his caliber has come out and bluntly said it in full detail how bad it is. And um, it really made WWE look bad. And because he went through seven injuries and because his main reason why he left the company was that he wanted, he was caring about his health. Like he was worried about his health and they would not let him have the time off. They needed to to recuperate from his multiple injuries and injuries that built up over the course of him not having that time off previously to heal the, those injuries. And he just kept building up and keep building up, and eventually he lost his temper. Um, and he did talk about some of the wrestlers that were responsible, well, individuals that was responsible for these series of events. And uh, one of the big ones was Ryback. Yeah, this is where I'm kind of ha- I have to disagree with Punk on, yeah. on here because I- I'm sorry, but 
As much as I don't like Ryback, I, I, I have to say what he what Punk said was kind of a little bit shitty. I think it was a little bit over the line. I think it was really, really over the line. I thought it, it was very unnecessary. I thought it was very unprofessional. But again, I think it's one of these things. It's just like it's early. I think it's still early. He's still going to be very angry, very mad about the whole situation. And um, I think he's going to look back on it and regret that a little bit in some respect. But yeah, I will say, like the way Ryback responded to it on Twitter was the best way he could have by saying, "I am thankful for everything that um, I'm given in this world, and I'll make every match that I go into the best I ever can." Because yeah. you know, because you got to remember, back in 2010, he got sidelined with a horrible injury. Yeah, and for any wrestler. Like, he was scared. Like, you know, you can tell he was scared that they were going to call him up and say, we're going to let you go because you're injured and you've been on the shelf for too long and blah, blah, blah. But they had faith in him and they gave him the Ryback gimmick and Vince pushed for it. And, and you know, you know, Ryan Ryan Reeves is, is a lot of things, but I don't think he is an, the asshole that Punk made him No, I think he's not an asshole. I think that he himself... I give credit for Punk for saying this, that he was put in a situation that he shouldn't have been in in the first place. And you remember you and me when we talked about that Hell in a Cell match back when it was um, Ryback versus CM Punk in Hell in a Cell, we both said, that is the wrong decision for, for him. He's too green. He, he, he will yeah. not be able to carry that match with Punk. And he didn't. He did not carry any of his matches with Punk because they were sloppy, they were really badly performed. And also, he was green. And also, I remember back when he, very early days, when they brought him in, when he was just killing local jobbers in the in the areas. A lot of people, a lot of the main roster didn't want to wrestle him because they still thought he was a bit rusty and he was he was a bit still a bit greenhorn in the ring and he 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 didn't know all the moves properly. You know, like he would he yeah, would, would hurt I mean, someone. But yeah, again, that's understandable. When you're training, yeah, it yeah. happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to fucking blame everyone for it, but, you know, eventually people, like, like worked with him, and I'm not going to say, oh, he had a fa- he was a failure as a c- career. No, he's still employed. He's still doing great, you know. He, but but uh, I think the biggest mistake was them putting him with Punk when he was still green. Yeah, exactly. That, that, was, the, that was the only mistake I can see them doing, yeah. to be quite honest. Creative just had the wrong decision, but the wrong guy at the wrong place, and unfortunately it was Ryback, and Ryback being green. If it was anyone else, I think it wouldn't be that bad to be honest, but I think he's... I mean, it was so bad that, like, the, immediately after Hell in a Cell, they put him in, like, a triple threat match with Cena and at at Survivor Series. Against The Shield. Yeah, which The Shield made the debut, and that was pretty terrible. That was a fucking terrible match, because both Cena and Punk had to carry that fucking match, and it was god-awful. Yeah. That was... Yeah, that was a very dangerous... Yeah, that was, that was a very dangerous match, but I just thought... When it comes to um, when it comes going about seeing Punk thing again, um, he did bring up a good point when he said there's definitely double standards within the company. Like apparently, uh, he said this, and I expected this for a long time. Is that the only person who can get away with telling Vince McMahon to fuck off? That's a bad idea. Is John Cena, and that's the case. Oh, he, he said himself, John Cena, and possibly Randy Orton sometimes would go up to Vince McMahon and say, no, that's a bad idea. And apparently everyone's fucking terrified of Vince McMahon and standing up to him because they're afraid that they're going to lose their jobs and they've got nowhere else to go. 
And I, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's a really terrible work environment, especially when you work within a creative industry like that and you don't agree with something and you cannot say something because you fear to lose your own job. Yeah, I mean, because, again, there are very few wrestling guys who stood up to Vince and told him he was full of shit. I mean, Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Triple H, Warrior, Randy Savage. The Rock. Piper back in the day. Bret Hart. Hogan, you know. Those guys existed, but the thing is, back then, Vince wasn't, you know, really in... You know, he wasn't like a chairman of a big company. He was just a fucking wrestling promoter. Yeah. So of course everyone was going to step on him back then. Yeah, it's just like it's it, it definitely a different environment, and um, and he just didn't agree with some of the decision making that we're making. But every single time that they kept telling Punk, "You owe me one, you owe me one," and I think he just got fed up that fact that the main problem was that he was wrestling the large majority of his pay per view. He was wrestling part timers. And people who were still too green in the ring, and he just got he got annoyed with it because he just feels like, um, especially that one year when it was when it was the second Rock, the second match with Rock versus Cena, that yeah. that was Punk's year, no doubt, no arguably, twenty thirteen, twenty thirteen, should have been Punk. Well, twenty twelve slash early twenty thirteen was Punk's year. That was his year. He deserved to be in the main event. No doubt. And unfortunately, he wasn't. And um, he ended up wrestling The Undertaker. And I give him credit for that. He did put on one of the best performances of The Undertaker I've seen. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't understand why he's complaining about that. Well, he'll put a match with Taker. Well, he, I, think, I think it wasn't the fact that he was wrestling with Taker. It was the fact that he just wanted to be in the main event. I think that was his only argument. And... Yeah, but you know there are WrestleManias where the main event was shit. Yeah, well that's what I mean. He that's what I mean because because the word was going around for a while. You, you remember this? We talked about this, and he said that the early stories were going up that they wanted to do a triple threat with Cena versus CM Punk versus The Rock, and I would have liked to have seen that. I thought that would, would have been. A good yeah, I mean match. he tried to push for that, but of course not because again. But, this this thing got annoyed with it. That like he basically faced all these part timers and um, a lot, a large majority of them. Like he was getting annoyed because at that WrestleMania, he was out of all the people in, in the quote unquote main event, as he put it, he was paid the less. So basically, Cena got paid more, Brock Lesnar got paid more, Triple H got paid more for WrestleMania, Undertaker got paid for more, and he was on like bottom of the pile, and he didn't like that because he's just like. Well, I wrestle with the Undertaker. Should I be getting the same money money as him? And considering that he only does one match a year, and I thought, thought well, that's a good point. I kind of see that, but at the same time, you got to understand that those guys are, you know, much bigger names. I know. And they draw more. I know, but still, at the same time, I think that it's unfair considering that some of these people. Well, okay, apart from Cena. All those people like wrestle like one match, two match a year. Yeah, pretty much. And I think that is total. I I call bollocks on that. I I think, yeah. especially that year, he he worked his ass off, and he did everything as a champion for over four hundred days, some four hundred something days, and he just got shot on because of it. 
And um, he talked about all these different things he went through as well. Like, for example, originally he was lined up to do um, the Marine 3. And he... Oh, thank fuck that never happened. <laughs> well, he... Well, the only reason why he wanted to do it was because he said... He admitted it so. He said, he, he said that it sounds selfish, but he wanted the time off because they said, oh, you have house shows off if you do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the reason why he wanted to do it. Yeah, and um, it was um, it was um, in, it, it was interesting. It was really um, interesting because like because um, what happened was he wanted to basically this is what he said. He said he wanted to do the film, but he still wanted to do the European tours. Those the only house shows he wanted to do to go over to the U do the European tour because he felt as the champion he should be there and he. He basically described himself, he wanted to prove himself as like being the top person. He wanted to prove that he'd do exactly what John Cena does. Because apparently John Cena's work schedule is like massive, if anyone who does know about that. And he said he, he wanted to be like the old school guys, like the Bruno San Martino, the Bob Evacuate. And that, those sort of guys that basically would have, to have those, wanted to be there to be the face of the, basically be the prime person, you know? Mm-hmm. And apparently Triple H was dodging him on the question that he said, no, these are the same, the time we got day off was the same dates as the European tour, and for those who don't know, the European tours are always on the same date. And he said these are the European tour, and and apparently Triple H said no, no, they're not, they're not. And he went yes, they are. And he went okay, I'll get back to you. He never got back to him. And then CM Punk went onto the dot com and found out the role was given to Randy Orton. And he called him and said, why didn't you tell me? Well, you know, the dates weren't going to work out. Well, you could have just called me and tell me that was the case. And I think the main problem was that he didn't bash Vince McMahon that much. He he did say a few things about him, but the, I think the main problem, the main person he had the main problem with was Triple H. And he brought up his matches against him. And you remember the match we talked about when it was him... Triple H and CM Punk in a tag team match against uh, Miz and Archer. Yeah. And you remember, you remember we joked about saying, we were saying Triple H, well, I ain't, I ain't taking that, I ain't taking that pin, Punk, you, you're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how he described it. He went, he went, I shouldn't have got pin in that match. You should have have, you should have took to the full for that one. And he said, you stopped my, you try to stop my momentum at Survivor. I think it was Survivor Series at that match. I should have won that match. I should have gone over that match three years ago. Not you trying to crush me and bury me. And um, for those that don't know, basically all this built up because the medical stuff and the medical stuff was that he was getting a bad back because he was having a growing cyst on his back. Yeah, it was. And it sounds nasty. And I actually seen videos of those cysts getting popped or surgically removed and they are really quite disgusting and gross yeah and and that goes to show you like that's the biggest thing i will agree with him on is just how how shitty the wwe's uh, doctors are because because they looked at it and said oh what do you want me to do yeah well the doctors kept saying to the medical staff keep saying to them just take a set um cpac and i'm just like Oh my god! You're just telling, you're just telling him just to take a um, painkiller, and I'm just like, my god! You're meant to be a me- medical expert, not a 
Oh, and then it, it, and what's what's creepy about this is like when he finally got some time off. Um, AJ told him like, "I know this doctor. Go go to him. He's really good." And then he went to that guy, and then that guy looked at it and said, "Well, that's a fucking massive zit on your back, and you should be dead by now." <laughs> yeah. And he said, "Well, what you been doing?" He went, "Oh, I'm a wrestler, and I've uh, been taking." So he went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He, he said, "Yeah, you should be dead by now." And um, that's scary to think about. You know, like WWE would let that continue. Because I mean that will, yeah, and, uh, and he's not the first person to talk about how shit the fucking doctors were. I, I remember like listening to Talk Is Jericho, and they had, he had Chavo on there, and he fucking said like the reason why no one knew about Eddie's um, problems was because you know the fucking doctors were so shit, yeah, at their job, mm-hmm. they didn't fucking know what they were talking about. Yeah, I mean it's just like it's just really yeah because he got really frustrated and. Um, for those that don't know, that he finally got the cyst removed and everything like that, and he finally came back, and this, and basically he was really, really frustrated backstage during the Royal Rumble, and he just lost his shit. Basically, he he said, "Oh, you're gonna and get." We finally, know what happened in that in that room. So yeah, basically he got concussion. The doctor said, "Oh, you got to do the concussion test," and he basically some of the concussion tests. Basically, he wore his headphones, listened to music on his iPod, and blah blah blah. He, that's that's what you got to do, and then he was told run the ropes, and then eventually he is like apparently it was like all the doctors, some of the some of the creative, some of the uh, was it um um was it development team were in there with Triple H and Vince McMahon, and he said, and then the medical stuff. The point when he lost his shit was when they gave him a piss pot and said said to him, yeah, you need to piss in this. We need to look at your pee urine, and he just lost it. He literally blew his top and he just like right that's it everyone out everyone the fuck out vince you stay i need to talk to you and everyone leaving and then hunter was about to leave him no 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 you need to stay as well you need to hear this so and they both stayed everyone else left and he went look i told you when i re-signed my contract at uh, money in the bank that i was not happy i was extremely cross and if you do not feel that I am the the star I'm meant to be, let me go. And never bother with me again. And I just feel like you have gave me the complete runaround. You have made my stock. You made me how much I'm worth as an individual within this company. You made my price go down. You made my stock go down. You asked me to become a heel for The Rock. And I wish I didn't want to. But I did it to you because I did it for a favor. And you keep asking me for these favors, and I thought to myself, yeah, you're gonna pay me back eventually, but you never did. And I got injured. You put me in the ring with Ryback. I got injured because of that. You didn't let me have time off from that. You, um, you, you basically you, you put me with part timers. You put me in the ring with Brock. I had to put Brock Lesnar over. I had to put I had to put the Rock over constantly, and I had to put over, and he just lists off all these people. And he said, how does it make that make me look for putting the large majority of these part-timers? Like, they come in, they wrestle like one or two matches, and I have to put them over to make them look good and make me look bad. And um, and then getting injured with, with people that you want me to put, put, you put me in the ring with people like Ryback and everything like that. I give him credit. He did praise um, Kurt, Kurt or Axe. Is it, oh, Mr. Perfect's son? Mm. Yeah, and I think, and again, I kind of agree with him on the booking here, because again, he just 
most of his matches he worked with part timers yeah, and Undertaker as well. He says, and and when he worked with like other guys, active roster members, he constantly made them look like shit. Yeah, and he, he just, made them look like shit. Yeah, he he didn't Fucking pretty that. much buried Curtis Axel. Yeah, he, he, that's the only reason why he wanted to do the whole thing with Ryback again with the whole Paul Heyman angle because he wanted to try to make. Kurt Axel shine in some sort of aspect in that, but unfortunately that didn't happen because they told him just destroy him. And um, same thing with Dolph Ziggler back in Royal Rumble 2012. Uh, that's his worst fucking match because he just buried him. Yeah. Like it wasn't a match. It wasn't about Ziggler and Punk. It was more about pushing, putting over the story with him and Laurinaitis. And if you look at that match, it was a squash match. Yeah. Like I- Ziggler could not get like one or two moves on him. And then there was that segment with, with Punk doing the elbow drop and then the ref not looking, and he's still pinning him for like three, five fucking minutes and, and Ziggler doesn't kick out. Yeah. And, Jesus Christ. And just the thing was that he basically lists all this off to Vince McMahon. He said, you, you're, he said, look, you're out of touch. I, I don't think, I think it's your fault, but I think something, you, you create, you, you are in charge and this is a toxic work environment. You have created a toxic work environment for me to work in, and I am unhappy, I am angry, I am upset, and I don't want to come to work. It's like the one thing I love doing, and you have made me despise and hate it so much. And and then like Triple H said, and you have not been any help either. I had to put you over. And you didn't need that to be put over. Anyway, anyway, well, you had a good match with Triple H. I went, well, no, no, that's not, that's not the point. It's like, back three years ago, you should have put me over. You should have done the right thing. But no, you had to go and squash me. You had to bury me. And then when we fought, when we fought together with each other, when we fought Miz and our truth I should have, I shouldn't been the one who got pinned. You should have the one who got pinned because that made me look bad. And, and he just, he was just like. And it was just like, oh my! And he, he and he said, "Well, you're wrestling Triple H this way." He said, "You're in the main event." Well, no, I'm not in the main event. The main event, and this is what Punk said: the main event is the last match to go on. That's the main event of WrestleMania. And I should have been in that main event last year. It's he, he, and then he said WrestleMania first. He basically said, "It's like I don't care being this main event at WrestleMania." He, well, he didn't say that, but he said, "Look, I can perfectly understand." why I'm not in the main event for this WrestleMania because this wasn't my year. But the last two years were unacceptable. And um he said especially he said mainly last year he should have been maybe even said even if I was in the match for five minutes and I got knocked out or if it was an elimination match and I got pinned in the first five minutes, I would have been happy with that. At least then I can get this this thing off my back, and at least say I was in one main event at WrestleMania. That's all we wanted from Vince, and um, he pretty much had some very harsh words for Triple H when he said to him, "He because uh, he convinced Martin said, well, you're wrestling Triple H. Is that a main event? Wait, no, it's not. I'm just wrestling a part-timer again, and you know what? I don't need to wrestle. Um, I don't need to wrestle you. You need to wrestle me. Because you need me, then I'm then I need you, and you know what? I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of that. Anyway, well, I'm going to put you over. You know, that's not the point. You should have done that three years ago. And I'm not going to give you satisfaction for you to wrestle against me at that at WrestleMania. 
And you know what? Your main event is going to suck. It's going to stink out the whole joint. And Vince Barn said, and this is sort of kind of confirmed what their original plans were going to be for WrestleMania. Said, so, oh, Batista versus Randall is going to be a massive WrestleMania 30 event. No, it won't. Everyone's going to hate it, and it's the most stupidest idea you have ever come up with, and this company have ever done. And he went, I'm done. Apparently, he hugged with Vince McMahon, and he said, said Triple H, said, you have never liked me. I've never liked you from day one. And he just left. And that's not even, that's just the beginning, when all the shit start hitting. And, 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 and here's the part where it gets really depressing. <laughs> so, so yeah, they stopped sending him his checks, because he went home, Within two weeks, Vince McMahon called him up personally. He said, are you ready to come back to work? And he told him, no, I'm not ready to come back to work. He went, okay, then. Then you're suspended for two weeks. Well, no, he he didn't find out. He got an email telling him he was suspended. So even if he wanted to come back for WrestleMania, he wouldn't have been able to. Hmm. He wouldn't have been able to. They wouldn't have allowed him because they would have suspended him. Because what happened was that the um, talent department handed it over to the legal department. And there was yeah. there was a lack of communication between the talent department and the legal department, and the legal basically he wasn't getting his checks. He wasn't getting his void these checks. He and uh, when he was searching his house and everything like, he looked at his bank account. He went, he's perfectly fine. He's like, he's like, I'm happy with all the money I got. He he said, he said, I made enough money. I'm happy about it. And when he was clearing out his basement, he found like two void. He he found a void check from last year, and he thought, oh, I never cashed this in. So he called up WWE. And he called up the person in charge who, who deal with all the checks. So he's like, oh, um, I found this royalty check. And then, like, apparently she said, oh, no. Da, da, da. And she oh, by the way, what's going on with my other, uh, my other royalty checks? And she said, well, those checks are currently on the WWE um, lawyer's off um, desk. And he said, why, why are they on the lawyer's desk? He went, well, um, they're looking into it at the moment. So they were holding his royalty checks on the lawyer's desk. So from the sound of things, WWE didn't want, well, someone in the legal department do not want those checks to go to him. Something happened there, it sounded very, very dodgy. So, that happened, and, um, he just thought to himself, he's not going to chase this up, it's going to be fine, everything like that. The thing that made him decide to chase everything up, was when he got his termination papers. And this is where it gets really, really depressing because no one knew this until he did this podcast. He was fired. His contract did not run out. They fired him. And they fired him on his wedding day. Like, his termination paper turned up at his house on the day of his wedding. And keep in mind, this company still employs his wife, or at the time, his soon-to-be wife. And they all knew where his wedding day was. And it's kind of convenient that his termination papers turn up in the post on the day of his wedding. And it's kind of weird like how they would even try to terminate him considering the fact that he walked out and there was yeah. really no need to terminate him. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like... And it just went... Because he took that personally. And I don't blame him. I really don't blame him. If I got fired on like an, an important day that important to me, yeah, I would be pretty pissed. And um, he did. And he 
he basically he went through the roof. Um, then two, then the two K thing happened, and they advertised him all over the place. And he he just got on the phone with his lawyer and he went, "Look, I need to sort this mess out. I need to get my I need to get my royalty checks. I need to sort out my and he sort everything out." So his lawyers got in contact with his got in contact with WWE, and apparently the WWE legal department was slandering him, saying that. He was going to go off to UFC. He was going to become an MMA fighter. He was going to do something with MMA. And even the same day, oh, he was going to go to TNA. He was going to go there do with this whole slander campaign. Like, WWE sucks and everything like that. He's not allowed to do that. And his lawyers turned around and basically said, you have made him sick of wrestling. You are the re- you're responsible. He does not want to come to work anymore. And no, he's not going to do that. Because he's sick <laughs> of wrestling and he's sick of you guys. And... Um, yeah, and um, he didn't go into any details about that fully because he said that's still working in progress and it's, they're still sorting stuff out. Once attorneys get involved, it gets messy and it, there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of stuff that changes over the course of days within hours or minutes, that fact. And um, yeah, and that's where he is at the moment. And uh, one last thing I forgot to mention, which he did mention early on, he sent to Vince McMahon. That Vince sent to him, because this this is what I mean by double standards within the company. That um, he it's like I think it was the night before the Royal Rumble, he wanted to go with his friend who is a UFC fighter to the ring to him to Chicago in in his hometown, and he and Punk had this idea. He went look, he went he went to Vince and he said to him, look, here's my idea. I should go to the ring with him. I will get a huge pop along with him. And then they will allow me to get on the mic and advertise the Royal Rumble. How much, how good marketing would that be to get people to watch it? That'd be a great way to try to sell tickets or to sell, um, to, to sell people to watch it. And Vince McMahon said, no, not, you can't do that. And if that, someone's going to die in that ring and everything like that. And this is what Punk said. I thought it was a bit out of line, but my God, it's true, unfortunately. He, they, he said... This is what Vince said. Someone's going to die in that ring. And then Punk turned around and said, what, like, he said, like, Owen Hart died in your ring. Jesus. (laughs) And I'm like, when I heard that, I was like, my, I thought, fucking hell. And I'm like, he's true. It's true. But my God, he went there. And... It's it's like you can't argue with what he said. It's true. It it happened in in the WWE. And, and that's kind of the amazing thing about Vince McMahon is like a lot of people think that he is uh, not that thick skinned, but he really is. Yeah, and bloody hell, that if you want to speak about truth, my God, you can't get any more truth than that. And um, on top of that, he was talking about like he said, oh, female. Female, women are right fighting in the octagon now. That bar, that's barbaric. Women should be doing that. I think that wasn't him, but someone said it, and he just said he. Someone in the WWE, and he, and he said um, he he just said um, he went no, that's that's cool. That it's cool that they're doing that. They're giving equal opportunity to both genders with, within a with, within a company, unlike unlike some places. So that's pretty much saying Punk saying he, he doesn't agree with the Divas division. 
funny enough. I think that's everyone's global opinion on the Divas Division at the moment. But it's oh, it it was really heavy listening to it. It's like he really spoke some really deep truths about what's going on within the company. I think he was bitching a little bit, and I, he was repeating himself. He said, "I'm sorry if I'm coming off bitchy, yeah, and if I." bashing WWE and everything like that and of course I'm trying not to but I think like I said it's early days he's going to an event I think it's one of these very similar things with like Stone Cold and Bret Hart in that sense is that it's early days he's going to an event he's going to be angry and he eventually is probably years down the line he's probably when he gets a bit older he he might look back and he went oh my god what was I saying but we don't know, but I think Punk's a very level-headed guy. Maybe he just need time to cool to cool down. But I mean, like I said, I mean, I kind of agree with his criticisms, but I don't agree with some of his like other things he said, like I, his idea of wanting like UFC trunks with sponsors. I'm like, why would you oh, fucking do that? But he did bring up a good point that he suggested that idea, and then out of nowhere, Brock Lesnar comes in and does it. That's what he mean by double standards. And he also he did brought up when he said about that UFC thing. Not long after that, Triple H escorted money for Mayweather down to the ring for his boxing match. That's what he was mean by double standards. Mm. Which I did agree with. That is kind of bullshit. <laughs> but the one thing I think I didn't agree with him was what he said about Chris Jericho. Because have you seen, have you heard about what he said about Chris Jericho? No, I didn't. What did he say? He basically said, oh, the reason why I don't speak to you anymore is because I think you have an agenda. Bullshit. And you know what's funny about that? Um, I think it was like today or yesterday, Chris Jericho released a video when he's like, he's basically practicing with Fozzy. And he's like, so he's just like in the recording studio. It's like, he's like, he's just like chewing out anything like that. And he just went... Um, yeah, for those that don't know, that Punk did his podcast and he said a few things about me and a, and a few people wanted my opinion about what's going on. And he said, look, me, um, I never knew Punk felt about that felt that way. I thought me and Punk were good friends. If and like, we enjoyed each other's company and we had a good time in our matches and backstage and everything like that. And we did talk to each other. And yes, he did deny the podcast, but I've never asked him to be on the podcast after leaving WWE. I've never asked him once. And um, I, I I asked him twice. Like I asked him once in person. He said no, he doesn't want to do it. And I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. That's his choice. And then WWE said, oh, out of all the people on the roster who you like to do a podcast with and everything like that. And he said, oh, um, and he put Punk down on the list. And then Punk denied it again. He went, yeah, that's fair enough. So you know, and he, he just seemed pretty chillax about it. Chris Jericho he just said he basically said look I can understand where he's coming from he's venting he's angry and everything like that and he was just pretty chillax about it you know like I think uh, I, th- I, I think that's kind of just bullshit and I'm saying like Jericho has an agenda against him that's bullshit yeah like I, I, I think at, that's this what I mean because by- here's the thing yeah Jericho at any point when he was feuding with Punk could have easily said I'm not putting that guy over and they would have like sided with him yeah, exactly, and he put him over. That uh, yeah. out of all the part timers, he's probably the one part timer that actually went. Yeah, I want to put him over. And Chris Jericho, he's known for since he coming back doing these um, doing these shorts like six six to three month stints within the company. He's been known to put over younger guys. 
Yeah. And he's done it a lot. He's like the biggest example is Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, Ziggler, Bray Wyatt. Again. Sheamus. Yep. CM Punk. And I know Punk was already... No one, I mean, no one asked him to do it. Like, he comes back because he knows, like, he's getting older. And, you know, at once you're 40, you really don't need to, you know, he's pretty much, be part of the main roster. Yeah, this is pretty much what, what he said. He... This is the way I like to put it. He basically did... This is what Paul Heyman said about, about a particular wrestler. And for, for those who don't know what I'm about to say, he said, Terry Funk. Terry Funk knew he needed to pass the torch to the younger generation. And I think Chris Jericho learned that. Like, he knew he's getting older. He should give experience and knowledge to these younger wrestlers. And he should pass on his knowledge... And he should put over these younger guys. And that's what Chris Jericho did. And um, I think at the moment, I think Punk's very angry. He's very angsty. He's very against a lot of people at the moment. I think he still needs to calm down a bit. I think he's, he he needs to reflect on on some things and realize that some people he think are against him are not against him. They're just... Yeah, because when he talked about the writers, I felt like he kind of rubbed them the wrong way. Yeah. Because, I... again, like... Yeah, I know that they're they don't know what the fuck they're doing, but can you at least like not come up to them, act like a complete asshole, and then tear the script that you're given? Because that's pretty fucking disrespectful. Oh yeah, that is disrespectful. But I think so. At the same time, I think um, I can understand why he got mad with the writers. He didn't re- yeah, I understand. But, but like this is but, like WCW level shit right here. Yeah, I know. There's an art of professionalism that needs to be done, and I think sometimes Punk didn't act that art of professionalism with the writers, but. Yeah, again, the stories I've heard about the WWE writers has not been good. But yeah, again, um, again, I just like I said, I'm trying to be neutral yeah. here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you are. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. But the way I look at it, you and me both, well, we could bluntly say both of us, we we never worked in that. We've never worked for the WWE, and we don't know what how they operate. So you know, yeah. we we so we yeah. can't defend. We can't defend for WWE. We can't defend that. But there's been yeah, but I mean, like I, I yeah. like I I mean. Because, again, like, a lot of people that talked about this were pretty one-sided. Everyone just sided with Punk, and I'm trying to be neutral here. I'm trying oh, to, yeah, like, yeah, see, see this from both sides. I'm not saying, oh, he's right about everything, fuck WWE, blah, 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 because that's not fucking true. I, I, I think what Punk said, I give him credit for what he said, because he, called, he basically rattled the cage, and he's very, very well-known for doing that. And he rattled the cage hard this time. And do I agree with what he did? Yes and no. I would I say he had the balls? Yes, he had the biggest cojones to do this and the way he did it. And I give him credit. I give him a lot of respect for doing it to speak out about some some bullshit that was going on within the company. I give him a huge amount of credit for that. But I think some stuff, he is blowing his own horn a little bit on something. But maybe in time he might realize that. But at the moment, I think... Yeah, because yeah. at the same time, like, all those part-timers he worked with, they had great matches. Like, that's oh, yeah. the thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's well, like, well, that, 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 if that, those that, matches were shit, then I can understand you don't want to work with them. But those matches were pretty good. No, that, that's the reason... He said this about the Undertaker match, which I am really happy he said this. That's the reason why he went out there with the Undertaker and had the best match he has ever had in his life. That's that's what he said. He he said he put his body. He, he said it himself. He would put his body in the line in certain ways for the Undertaker in that match because 
he wanted to make that the best match he's ever had at WrestleMania. Yeah. And I respect him for that, especially for Mark Hamway, The Undertaker. I, I, I Again, for those who don't... Uh, I'm a huge, huge Undertaker fan. I give him props I mean, for saying that. Favorite, he's my favorite wrestler. and Oh, same here. He's, he's the only guy I can think of. Him and Sting are the only two guys that have become icons in the locker room and have gathered everyone's respect over their hard work and yeah. through the decades. Yeah. Again... Punk wasn't bashing everyone within the locker room. He said that he liked this guy and this and everything like that. And he, he said some interesting thing about the wrestlers within, within the company at the moment and the way it's going. But, you know, I'm I'm just happy um, he did give a knowledge when it was in the right place. And, you know, I, it was a really good listen. Um, they're doing a follow-up podcast when he's basically... He said at the end of it, he said, look, I'm going to be back on here next week and we're going to do a bit of a follow-up podcast when... You guys sending questions, and I'm going to answer them the best I can um, with regarding with what's going on. Um, so if I miss anything that you guys would like to know, I can answer. I, I have to say I can't answer and stuff like that. I thought, okay, that's fair enough. So at least he's basically, he vented, he got it out, and maybe in the second podcast he might be a little bit more com- confined, a little bit more constructive, a little bit more chilled is the best way to put it. Yeah, because he was, like, really angry, and it kind of showed, and... Yeah, he said at the start he's trying not to be angry, but I think the further he got into talking about it, he did start to get more and more angry, and... That's like kind I said, of if, if Cabana wasn't there to hold him back, he would have just flipped his shit yeah, right there. Yeah, that, that's, that's when I give my credit to Cabana, because Cabana did do his best. He, he can. Because, I mean, that he is, like, one of his closest friends as well. I, I think that helped, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's that was the CM Punk podcast, and we still got the Stone Cold ones yeah. to think about. <laughs> yeah, it's not over yet because no. there's a lot to talk about. That's why I said yeah, for <laughs> those beginning. for those who don't know, there was a follow up podcast not long after this. WWE, um, I think it was planned back a while ago that WWE um, Stone Cold wanted. He he said from day one that he want, when he did it started his own podcast, he wanted to have Vince McMahon on as a guest. And sure enough, time came when Vince said, he finally said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And they did this co-op thing where it was like, on his podcast, Stone Gold was a, a slash on the Dodi network being filmed and recorded in like a, in, in like a proper um, news report studio setup sort of thing. Like, Yeah, because, like him you know, Vince wasn't going to drive to fucking fly to LA and go to Austin. Well, the, 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 this, this is the one thing I do like about Stone Cold. He actually would travel to different places to meet the wrestlers to actually go yeah. to them and do the podcast, which I do like. I give him credit for that. Unless, of course, like it's 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 busy guys. Sometimes they just record it on the phone, which is uh, I'm okay with. Oh that. yeah, that too. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And um, by the way, if you have not listened to the Stone Cold Steve Austin show, shame on you. It's probably my favorite uh, wrestling show. It's, it's it is a really good fucking podcast. amazing. <laughs> the stories he speak about and the guests he gets on and talks to them about stuff. I think it's really really good, but. Like I said, Stone Cold started off... It, 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 when advertising it, Stone Cold basically said it on his podcast, and WWE advertised it, it's going to be completely bars-free. Like, he can ask whatever he wants. And my Because that's the stuff, thing with Stone Cold. He doesn't bullshit. No. And like, he'll ask what he wants. Yeah, and he did. And my God, I'm surprised that he, he asked what he did, airing it live on the WWE Network at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and he asked... A lot of really... He started off with the CM Punk thing. Of course, because, you know... 
So why would he? <laughs> he started off with CM Punk, and he he he, he even said to him, he said, "So CM Punk, are you all right to talk about this?" And he went, "Yes, I am all right to talk about this." And this man, even before getting into the detail, he went, "Look, I just want to say before we start, we talk about CM Punk. I want to say to him, I am deeply, deeply sorry what's happened, and I'm really sorry that you've got your termination papers." On your wedding day, I'm really sorry about that. I really should have been overlooking that. But when when legal get mixed up in developmental, it happens. And there was not must, and there was no there was barely there was bad communication between the two parties. And developmental should have been really on top of that. And I really really he he sounds gen it's just with the thing was Vince McMahon. It's like when he's sincere, he is sincere. And I think I think he. He 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 is broken up about it. Like he he's like he really does care about his he does care about the wrestlers and um in in his capacity and I thought he did came off across that he was really upset he was upset with the whole punk thing. Like he and because he, he he for those that don't know, he hates seeing his wrestlers go. And and this has been proven time and time again. Like he was upset when Stone Cold left, he was upset when Hulk left. He was upset when the whole thing with Brett happened, you know, and the, the one that, that the one that really hit him hard and to, still to this day is Randy. Yeah, with Randy. Randy like really, really messed him up because because yeah. he because there's the thing about Vince. He loves loyalty. <laughs> yeah, and you know he's okay with the guys leaving, taking some time off, but he's not okay with them going to to different competition and you know spewing anti company bullshit there and he hates leaving on bad terms yeah which is unfortunately how brandy left yeah and he hates leaving on bad terms and he i, I give him i give him credit he's always an optimist when it comes to that sort of thing so like maybe someday down the line we will meet again and we will sort things out and um stone cold was like he did brought up some good 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 comparisons to it and things like that he brought up the comparison between him and punk because I think that's very similar circumstances. The Stone Cold said they're not the same, but they're similar in the sense that I lost my thing, I was hurting, I didn't, I wasn't agreeing with creative at the time, and and even he said, how much, how bad was I working with? And he went, and Spinfire said, you were asked to work, with. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought, I thought, okay, that's that's pretty interesting. And he he said, he, he said, this was the problem with you. It's like he, you look at something and you say, no, I don't want to do it. And then we say to you, right, what do you want to do? And you just turn around and say to us, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was normally up to me or Pat Patterson to go away and have to, and he mentioned one other name as well, I can't remember who it was, had to go away, think about something quickly, come back, and then had to pitch it to you. <laughs> and um, it was it was funny. Just like he basically he, he said he said, and he brought up about during this whole conversation with Punk, he brought up about the whole thing with Jim Ross, and he asked him, "Is there any heat between you and Jim Ross?" He went, "No, it's just that we went our separate ways because you know the whole convoffle at the 2K um, convention, which you were a part of, and he dealt it unprofessionally." And then we took him away from that position, and I wanted to offer him another job within the thing. He said he did. He said, "Can he can he do it part time?" And he said, "Sorry, there's no part time positions for someone of someone of your experience. I would like to just have you on a full time." And then we just came to the agreement that 
um, that, that that led to us like separating. Like basically, he went his separate way, and I went my separate way. And because um, the reason why Stone Cold brought this up because apparently he he was going to speak to he was going to interview Jim Ross um, the following week, next week. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was because the reason why Stone Cold came back to WWE was the fact that Jim Ross was the was the branch point between the two, you know? Because if it was for Jim Ross, Stone Cold wouldn't have come back around about um, early early 2003. He would just wouldn't come back. And um, sure enough, he um, because the thing, the thing that got the Stone Cold was that the thing was Jim Ross. He's so knowledgeable about the company. He know how wrestlers act and feel, and um, basically. Jim Jim Ross called him up, talked to him on the phone for about six hours, and he double said he spoke. They literally spoke about six hours on the phone, and then he sent him a card with his details and everything like that in the post personally to him. And apparently to Steve, that was that was very personal to, towards him. And he and it, it said on the note, look, if you ever you ever want to speak to Vince McMahon again, look, just call me on this number and we can sort something out. And he did, and they met up and they talked. And I, I, I like that. And he even asked, he said, Were, is there someone in the company who can bring, can bring you and Punk together? And Vizman said, sadly, no, there isn't. But you you, you never know with, with you never know within, within this company. Something, maybe one day there might be, might not. But he might come back on his own terms. We just have to wait and see. And I just thought... It was it was very good. They handled the whole punk, handled the punk thing very well. And Stone Cold, he, he didn't beat around the bush. Like he asked, he asked like a lot of questions about that. And the thing that really got me as well was when he asked about the roster and this generation of wrestling. And I wasn't expecting the answers. I the answer had been said. And you know what this is, right? I think I saw that clip, which is I, which I have to disagree with. I because Stone Cold said said to him, "Why do you think this generation is lacking from my generation?" And he went, "Well, there's no one to stand out from the crowd. Uh, no one, no one bothered to." Yeah, yeah, this is like the biggest pile of shit I've heard yeah. ever. And he's he did he put oh he only put over like four guys, which I feel bad for and. He said brave. I'm sorry. I think the biggest pile of shit he said in that interview was the only guy who went for that brass ring was John Cena. Bullshit. Oh. Bullshit. Daniel Bryan, CM Punk. Oh, I know a little guy by the name of Zack Ryder who went for that brass ring, and you punished him for it. Yeah, that's true. He did, and he got punished hard. Got a bloody concussion from a from a Alberto Del Rio. Oh yeah, by the way, where is Alberto Del Rio now? Oh yeah, he fucked up to Mexico. Um. And probably giving more people concussions out there. Um, and I just thought that's probably... You're the owner of the company. You're saying it's about this current generation. And you wonder why you cannot make any stars. And I thought that was so harsh what he said about Asaro. Like he said, oh, apparently he wasn't over. He apparently wasn't over. He doesn't connect with the fans. I'm like... Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he's not over the fan. My God, were you listening to him when he was with, with, um, with, with the, um, with the real, real Americans? And here's the thing about 
Cesaro. I mean, he started out like as a, as a tag team wrestler in like Ring of Honor. Yeah. And a lot of people, and lot, I think a lot of people said back then, oh, he was never going to be over that Chris Hero. But look at where Hero is now, and look at where he is now. Oh yeah. And Tell me he's not fucking over. Fuck off. Yeah, I'm just like, well, this is the thing. Like, you kept constantly keep taking away the stuff that people were liking. Like, you told him to get rid of the swing. He got rid of the swing. You told him to become the real, to turn face, to turn heel, to turn face, to turn heel constantly. And it's just like... You put him with Paul Heyman, which really didn't do anything for him. Yeah, like, you thought, oh, you put him with Paul Heyman. That's a good thing. Oh, wait, you're going to take him away from him now. And then you try to put him with the affording. Did that happen? No. I just... Like, I mean, the only guys that you fucking, you know, bothered to push properly and build up properly were the Shield. Mm-hmm. Those are the only guys I can think of that you build up properly. Yeah. And... Now, even Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt started out as, like, Husky Harris, for God's sake. Yeah, and, funny enough, those... Bray Wyatt and the mem- all members of the Shield were the only people he praised during that interview. And I just thought... I can understand when Stone Cold's coming from. Like, I can understand with him saying that, why isn't this generation getting over? And I like that Stone Cold asked that question because it's like something that a lot of people have been asking. It's, it's, it's really simple. Yeah. They're not given a chance to get yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah. That's, the, that's the answer. Yeah, and uh, Vince McMahon. And I, I'm scared for most of these guys who, you know, say what you will about Triple H, but like the NXT reboot, that was his idea. Vince, again, does not give a shit about the indies and all that shit. It was Triple H that signed down all these other guys, and I'm scared for when they're going to come on the roster. Yeah. And, you know... <laughs> and Stone Cold did bring up a good point when he said, he, he said, well, why no one... It's, it's, a, it's a... Why no one challenging you for this? Because in my... This is what he said to my generation. We all... Ch- we challenged you on stuff. And for some weird reason, these he said these young these young guys and girls are not. So what's going on there? And he, he even criticized the creative side of things as well. He said, "Why there's so many people on the creative?" And Vincent did gave a reasonable answer, which I do agree with. In some aspects, as a company, you have to grow and you have to get more people. But still, at the same time, it's like, but why is it not effective? That was what Stone Cold said, and Vince couldn't give a straight answer on that. Like, and I mean, it just shows, like, you know, you listen to the Punk interview, and then you listen to this, it just goes to show you how how terrible that, that work environment is, because everyone's afraid of Vince. That's why no one wants to speak up against him. Yeah. Because like, everyone's afraid of him, everyone's afraid for their careers and whatnot, when in reality, they could just go up to him and say, hey, I don't like this. And it's kind of funny that... Um... During this whole thing as well, he said so himself. He, he Stone Cold said so himself. The he, the reason why he thinks that no one will stand up to him was the fact that there's nowhere else to go. And he yeah. and he even said, "Do you think it's stupid that you brought out the company? You brought out you brought out your competition." And Vince did brought up a good point when he said it wasn't about the. He, I kind of agree with him on it when he said when, when he said this. He just said. It wasn't about, because we were running so hot, and they were running so hot. It was about which one was going to burn out first. And I thought, okay, that's a fair enough point, because you can't keep going as good as you can constantly on that speed and that momentum, because eventually you are going to get burnt out. I mean, they're lucky, like, you know, Russo and 
Bischoff and Hogan were fucking up backstage at WCW because if they weren't, then they would have been put out of business a long time ago. I, I was I was really interested when he brought about the whole indie stuff and everything like that. Like he said, you killed the indies and everything like that. Like you killed you you killed the territories and everything like that. And he did he did brought up a good point when he said. He fought as a businessman and not a thing. He said the only competition he felt that the only person that could give him any competition was Bill Watts. Which I did kind of call Bill Watts understand it as a business aspect of it. Like he understand like the production value and everything like it had to look good. And Vince understood. Same thing with Bishop. I mean, if you listen to his interview with stone cold i mean what i like about bishop is like he thinks of as a tv producer like he was brought in to to say okay what are we going to do that the wwf isn't going to be doing yeah and that's how they became successful and where can we spend money and where can we save money and um and that's i mean i mean i talk i give bishop a lot of shit for his booking but the dude's a smart motherfucker when it comes to when it comes to uh television producing yeah and 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 this was the thing um and, and and the thing was that the thing I liked about it was um, this. The one thing I liked about it was that basically he summed up how the territory worked. Basically, they come in, they set up their ring, they didn't bother to upgrade anything, and they keep all the money to themselves. And they didn't bother to put the money into the company itself, and that's why the territory is eventually fall fallen because they didn't put money into the company. You know. Yeah. And it was interesting because that, that, that that's kind of true for those who who don't know about the territories. Go look it up. It's very interesting to learn about the territories and how a lot of the territory crumble under so because they didn't bother to put the money in. Same thing with WCW. They would have went under way before Bischoff if Bischoff hadn't come in, yeah. and if they hadn't been brought out by Ted Turner, then they would have just gone under. Yeah, because they were doing the same shit. Yeah, he brought. Yeah, because um, he did brought up about the whole Ted Turner thing, and he said he said. He he said to him, "Well, I brought, I'm in the wrestling business." And Vizman said to him, "Well, I'm not in the wrestling business. I'm in the sports entertainment business." And I thought that's an interesting little thing he said. He said to Ted Turner, and um, he talked about the philosophy. And because the thing for those I don't know, Vincent Mann is good at working out people. Like he's a very good psychologist. Like he knows how people think, and I think that's the one thing that worked very well was that he said this in an interview he basically he grew up in like because the whole thing was that he, he said to Stone Cold he went you're the borderline equivalent of a redneck no offence and for those I don't know was that when I was being brought up with my father I grew up in a trailer park hmm. and he said it as a young kid so he kind of understood the psychology of that when he became a businessman, and when he, when he became a businessman, he understood everything of that. And then when these guys, um, was that when he wrestled against Stone Cold, when when he got in his feud with Stone Cold, because like basically, he knew how to be the polar opposite to Stone Cold, because he he basically he acted as Stone Cold, but as a mirror image of him, like basically hmm. everything bad about Stone Cold of that side. Which we're now looking back on it. I was like, "That's true." <laughs> he basically was being stone cold, but instead just being dirty and handing him basically say, "Oh, I have more money than you. I have more influence than you. I can do whatever I want." Because he said he just wasn't that. Yeah, because basically, like, basically, what he was saying is like his 
Mr. McMahon characters is based on his abusive father. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's bugged about his father and everything like that as well. I was, I was interested to learn about his dad and everything like that. That was very interesting. And also him, and even the one thing I was really, 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 he went into about his family, and the, I was surprised about this. He went, he said, by the way, where's Shane? What is Shane <laughs> doing? And I was like, oh, okay, this is getting, this is getting more interesting now. And, and I thought Vince gave a good answer. He gave an honest answer. He said, it's a family business. Not everyone wants to go into the family business. And he wanted to go off and do his own thing. And he said, it's not the first time. Like, he was working in a warehouse, and he asked me for more money, and he quit. And he, he, went, <laughs> off, he went off and got a job as a brick, bricklayer and, and ended up earning more money doing that for, for, for a short while. <laughs> and he said he's proud of his own son going off and trying to find his own venture. And he's proud of him because of it. And he talked about his wife as well. And saying that that's why wife it's it's like imagine trying to work with your child imagine trying to work with your wife as well, but my wife wanted to go off to do the whole political stuff with that. And he actually said he said he said he said he said you he, which was amazing to me about it. He said it's not him going out to the ring to face like the whole audience of like thousands of people each night for the for, that scares him. It's the fact that he has to talk to politicians at a small 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 dinner party that terrifies him. <laughs> like, like he, he can easily go to a bartender and speak to them at these little, like little swindigs, or like the people go around with the trays and stuff like. That. When it comes to anyone to speak, like politicians or lawyers and anything like that, he just he he just like bottles bottles up, like he doesn't know what to say. Because <laughs> he's not very political. He's not never struck me as a no. political guy. <laughs> no, he's not, and uh, it's it's interesting him saying that. Even Stone Cold just said bullshit. You, you. <laughs> Intimidate you, timid of people. We went well. I wouldn't say timid then, but I don't know how you would describe it. But when it comes to that sort of environment with with like a small group group of ten to seven people, I'm shy. I don't know not well know why. But you put me in a ring with like thousand people watching me, I can like deliver the best shit you can ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's our Vince. Yeah. <laughs> it was um. Apart from that, I'm trying to remember what else he talked. The funny thing was that the podcast was meant to end, end earlier, and Stone Cold just 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 said, "Oh yeah, we, I literally have to end you in like about a minute." Anyway, and Vince went, "Wait, wait, wait, a minute." And he went, "Yeah." <laughs> and he went, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." I, we have to end this conversation. We just got started. And he went, "Yeah, no, but I'm gonna have to end in a minute." And he, he went, "Hang on a minute. I own this network. Let's <laughs> let's go for another 15 minutes." <laughs> Which I thought, okay, it's I thought it's true. He is the owner, <laughs> you know. He can do what he wants. So I thought I thought it was such a good interview. He, it really did highlight some good aspects of Dory, but at the same time, it did unveil more of the hidden secrets. What Punk was talking about in his podcast, what was reflecting on what's going, what he said, and yeah, because like, like I said, I'm, I'm being neutral here. Like yeah. I did call out on his bullshit about, you know, no one wanting to go for that brass ring yeah. and whatnot. And, like, he kind of pretty much kind of ignored all the backstage bullshit because he's not going to fucking talk about that. Yeah, that's the thing. He tried to avoid that. Uh, he, he dodged it. He dodged it pretty well. Well, sort of. He dodged it well enough. And, and of course he was going to come out and say, oh, I'm sorry, because, you know, he's not going to fucking shoot on the guy. Yeah. Because, like, why would he bother, you know? He yeah. doesn't work for him. More. Yeah, and it just was that he didn't 
he felt more. This is a funny comparison when you compare the punk podcast with the Vince McMahon interview. Was that was that um, it did highlight some stuff, and it really did highlight some little break errors in, within the company and the whole thing about no one steps up to it because we know that's kind of true now and that no one will step up to it and no one tried to step up to it and it did highlight some bad things about the company and some good things but it's curious it, it really it was really really interesting that this interview with punk came out and then the whole Vince mind thing happened and it, it's really interesting you know it's really really good to see what's going on I mean, and that's kind of the thing about what's interesting about the wrestling business and why I'm so fascinated with the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's because a lot of a lot of stuff goes on that people don't know about, and it's kind of scary when this kind of stuff gets revealed and you're like, really? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, you wasn't expecting that. And it is, it is interesting, and I really... Because, again, we, we, we grew up in the 90s, and we're all familiar with WCW and the backstage bullshit, but... Yeah. Not familiar with the entire staff being completely yeah. inept. That's what I mean, and even with the ECW stuff as well. Like we all grew up during that era, we all learned about that stuff, and it did. And it's really interesting to learn about it even more in this current day age. Like when they talk about twenty-year-old stuff, and it's interesting to learn about it and how it is compared back then to now. And it's, you, and me, we find it interesting, and I imagine many other people do as well. Yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting, especially like with Paul Heyman. I mean, we we talk about how Paul Heyman is like one of the best talkers in the yeah. industry, and yada yada yada. But the reality is, he's actually kind of a scumbag the way he ran WC, ECW oh, yeah, back he in the day. Yeah, he uh, this is the reason why people called him the mad scientist. Like basically, he was a genius when it came to it, but he was Frankenstein. He was Doctor Frankenstein. Like he pulled things together, did underhanded things to get his monster to rise. You know. <laughs> and I mean, for fuck's sake! I mean, they when they couldn't like pay the bills, they would like hire out uh, one of the ECW guys to work like a WWF show for like one night. Yeah, they did that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, like, uh, that's when I I give my hat off to Vince McMahon for doing that. You know, I really do give him credit off again. Yeah. They 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 could get away with that because again, Vince didn't see ECW as a competition. As competition. And the thing was with Vince that they did bring up TNA in the Stone Cold podcast with interview Vince McMahon, and I'm surprised that they did bring that up. And um, it was interesting. It was that was in <laughs> that was kind of interesting when they did bring up East TNA about there's no competition. And Stone Cold said no offense to TNA, but it's not competition, which is true. Yeah, because they're not competition. If they were competition, they would have mentioned them years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, TNA can try all they want to try and shoot and make fun of w, uh, the WWE, but they're not going to notice them. No, it's not. It's they're like, not going to care. <laughs> that would mean you don't have, like, a Eric Bischoff. You don't have a Ted Turner. Where you do not have the money. You do not have someone with the money and the power. I mean, they had the idea. I mean, again, you listen to the shoot interviews, and you know, I listened to one with Christopher Daniels, and he said, "I love the idea of the six-sided ring because it gave us our own identity." Yeah. But they messed it all up by bringing in these WWE guys and having them shoot on the company. That that kind of messed everything up. Then I mean, I know we're getting off topic here with TNA, but I think the only one, the only two people they acquired from WWE that were big, I would say, for, for the company, was Christian 
and Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was probably the the biggest asset they got from WWE at the time. And that was like hot The thing shit. about Kurt Angle, like, he, I mean, when I was listening to the CM Punk podcast and it, him saying about how he was tired and how they made him hate wrestling, I'm like, holy shit, he sounds just like Kurt Angle. Yeah, I remember he does. Yeah. listening to a shoot interview back in 2006 and he said... I was tired of being treated like a piece of meat. I wanted to go someplace where I would treat with more respect. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I, I, that's why I went to TNA. Yeah, and it, that does sound very similar to it. And I'm just like, you know what, well, it's happened. People get wound up and get burnt out. And Vince Vaughn, um, CM Punk, got, just got burnt out for WWE. And it's, it's a shame that happened. Like, it's, you know, and that's why I kind of wanted to talk about this. I mean, this is, like, an interesting episode for us because we really go into detail about this stuff because, and, and like I said, I want I wanted to stay neutral with this, and I did mm-hmm. because, like I said, I don't want to be one-sided, and yeah. I did. And, um, and yeah, I, it was interesting. And I was trying to try and play devil out here. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, um, I thought... Uh, both podcasts were very in, very interesting, very insightful about the company, and I think I think both podcasts had the both right set of people to interview the right person. Like Colt Cabana did a good job interviewing CM Punk, and Stone Cold was the right person to interview Vince McMahon. Like they had what the right about the McMahon, and what's great about the McMahon interview is like it's the first time I think ever that WWE posted something on their website that breaks kayfabe. Oh yeah, definitely, and on the network. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and I, 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 I really liked it. I really liked it. If if W if WWE Network can get more stuff like that on their network, yeah, I'd be enticed to buy it. Oh wait, I can't because it's not out in the UK. <laughs> I'm still hung up about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's that, that's that's another story. <laughs> but you know, no, I mean, I I'm kind of surprised like they didn't sign Austin up for a deal because his show is so popular. Oh, it is. He's show. I think he's on the network where his show is. I think it's one of the most popular podcasts on that little network that he he posts it on, right? Yeah, it's much better than fucking Goldberg shit. <laughs> oh, Goldberg's podcast. That's a train wreck. Because let me just let me just say this, I have nothing against Gil, Bill Goldberg as a person, but Jesus fucking Christ, does he not give a shit about the wrestling business? No, I, I'm just <laughs> saying this to anyone. If you want to listen to any good wrestling podcast, listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast and listen Talk Jericho. Those are the two best wrestling podcasts that that being done by professional wrestlers at the moment. I say. And also, if you want, like, an alternative to, if you'll be maybe, like, background noise or interested in, like, knowing more about the history of the business, go listen to JR's podcast. Oh, yeah. He does go into, like, the whole history of it. And, and, and like Stone Cold said, he's one of the most knowledgeable people of the wrestling industry. And you, with JR, you can ask him anything, and he will give you an answer to it. I'm really looking forward to the Jeff Jarrett interview. That's going to be interesting. Oh, well, that's <laughs> going to ooh, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> Can't wait for that. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much it. We've rambled on long enough, but like I said, a lot of news today. So that's pretty much it, and we'll see you all later. Bye bye.